Gridbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Looking for the perfect First Communion, Confirmation, or RCIA gift? Consider a beautiful, heirloom-quality, made-in-Italy rosary from Ghirelli. A Ghirelli rosary will be prayed with and cherished forever, guaranteed. Shop Ghirelli today. That's G-H-I-R-E-L-L-I dot com. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. Wait a minute! 60 Seconds of Reflection with Martha Fernandez Sardina. He is risen! The Lord is risen from the dead. That is the song of Christians. The Lord is risen, alleluia. He is truly risen, as he said, alleluia, alleluia. For centuries, Christians the world over have been celebrating the fact that Christ defeated death. He killed death. Death is dead. Life is alive. And Jesus is alive and well, and he is inviting each one of us, knocking at the door of our hearts, to enter in, to sup with us, to dine with us, to give us his very body and blood, soul and divinity as our food. Will you welcome him? Will you season it up? Will you enjoy this Easter Sunday, Easter octave, and Easter season, 50 days of glorious celebration, and come closer to Jesus to receive the new life that he has won for you, you were one by one, one who is God Almighty. Enjoy Easter. Enjoy the resurrection. Enjoy Jesus. For more information about Martha, visit MarthaFernandezSardina.com. Setting the record straight, this is Chuck Coughlin. Speaking just after Easter of 2019. And like so many others, speaking through great sorrow over the great tragedy of a few days ago and the cause of the tears in which I shared. With millions of people, Catholics, millions of non-Catholics, Protestants, millions of people with no religion at all, but the latent respect for the beautiful achievements of mankind inspired by faith. The tragic event was the burning of Notre Dame du Paris. In this podcast, I'm going to do a deep reflection upon this tragedy. It's literal, 
and symbolic meanings, its eschatological meanings, and viewed from several perspectives, some gigantic perspectives. And the title of my podcast, of course, is Will Notre Dame du Paris des Alles? What does Peter, the first pope, say in his second letter? He says this, Do not ignore this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a loud noise, and the elements will be dissolved with fire, and the earth and the works that are upon it will be burned up. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of persons ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be kindled and dissolved, and the elements will melt with fire? But according to his promise, we wait for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. And you might wonder why I quote that. Am I to be satisfied that this beautiful earth and these beautiful people and all their beautiful works will be burned up, be dissolved? I believe that my heart is one heart of millions of hearts that cry out, Lord, that cannot be so. That cannot be so. That this artwork, this prayer of ours to you and your honor, in honor of your mother, that it be lost, that it be crumbled, that its bonds be severed. I wept along with everyone else in loving the beauty of the cathedral, Notre Dame de Paris, and the treasures within it, and the art created by man. Well, how can I resolve that? with the ultimate aim that all things will dissolve. A little further on, with the help of my son Dawson, I'm going to address the dissolution of the universe. Because we know now, thanks to Father Lemaitre, Father George Lemaitre, that the universe had a beginning. It had a beginning. Did we assume it would go on forever? Well, it had a beginning. But there's an uncomfortable realization about the future. From what we humbly know from our community of astrophysicists, that if things continue as they are continuing, that the universe is going to end, expand and expand, diffuse and diffuse, and deconstruct. And along the way, there will be a great deal of fire. And then a vast nothingness. And how do we match with that the fact that our bodies will be resurrected? Where will our bodies go? Christ's body was resurrected as an example for ours. And was it just a spirit body? No. Thomas visited him. No, Thomas insisted on touching him. 
He insisted on inserting his finger into the wound that the lance made in its side. And Jesus said, you could see that I'm flesh and bone. Well, what does all this mean? Well, to me, it means that Christ, in returning to earth for Easter, to recover his body, gave this meaning to Easter, that material things could be sacred too, and we will all be resurrected. It means that Elijah, Elijah's body, it means that Elijah's body, following the example of Christ, Elijah's flesh and blood, is in heaven too, flesh and bone is in heaven too. What does that mean about the nature of heaven? It must be a place in the universe, right? So how can all this be? And building on that, on a smaller level, I reflected on our own bodies, on your own body and my own body. I'm very close to the end of my life. And the atoms that make up my body, the shape that is my body, the pattern that is my body, the image that is my body, it's composed of compounds and elements of matter that have come into me being replaced over and over in and out throughout this long life by an inflow of new atoms and a loss of the old expended atoms. But the pattern that is me is still here and still goes on and on. When you examine the hydrodynamics of an ocean wave, you see the ocean wave far at sea coming miles and miles, looking the same, growing and shrinking a bit, but the same wave. And is it bringing water along with it? No. Water flows through the wave. To really regard a wave as water is a little mistaken. A wave is not the material, the atoms and the compounds that make it up. It is a pattern moving through a medium, much as we are. Water enters a wave and leaves the wave, changing from a sort of partial disorder into a beautiful order, mounting and peaking, but then passing on into the relatively flat area of the trough, an area of partial disorder. As the ocean becomes shallower, the wave traveling closer to shore mounts higher and can be seen to age acquiring a beard of foam atop itself. And we're like that when we move through life. So how can we be resurrected if we're, if our bodies are buried in different places? If we've been cremated? Well, to have our body back, flesh and bone, much as Christ, is the pattern that is us. It doesn't have to be the same atoms. It can be any atoms that will make up our body. Because we move like a wave through life. It is said that dust thou art and dust thou shalt return. But we know that's not the end of the story. For we have a spirit, a soul that goes on. My friends, we have more than that. I like to think that perhaps, perhaps, we have a glorified body. That body which can move through matter, creating a pattern of it that is us. Like an artwork. Like a painting is a pattern of atoms, like Notre Dame du Paris moves through time, slowly being assembled, built, shaped, and slowly decaying away, dissolving. And Notre Dame is very interesting because it has been almost dissolved a number of times, as we know. 
is in the early 1500s when the Calvinists sacked it and defiled it. These Protestant revolutionaries considered some of the statues idolatrous and severely damaged them. Poor Notre Dame was damaged further, much further, in the French Revolution, when opposition to the Roman Catholic Church was one of the foundation stones of the French Revolution, and this solidified into official government policy. Among the movements was the so-called cult of reason. It was a hodgepodge of ideas and activities, marked by a disorderliness and chaos that would emerge again in our own time in the hippie communes. Its core principles included reason, but others were liberty, nature, and the victory of the revolution, a revolution that sought to seize power in every facet of society. Crosses and statues were removed from graveyards. It was decreed that all cemetery gates bear only one inscription, death is in eternal sleep. The new civic religion, which was very similar to another rival movement called the Cult of Reason, and both of them characterized by chaos and disorder. Churches across France, including Notre Dame, were transformed into modern temples of reason. In Notre Dame, the ceremony was the largest. The altar was dismantled and an altar to liberty was installed with the inscription to philosophy. Festive girls in white woman dress and tricolor sashes milled around a costumed goddess of reason who impersonated liberty. A flame burned on the altar, which was symbolic of truth. The goddess figures were portrayed by living women to avoid statuary and the graven images of supposed Catholic idolatry. The goddess of reason was played on the altar by a woman who, who dressed provocatively and was commented upon by Thomas Carlyle, who said the woman made almost the best goddess of reason, although he noted that her teeth were a bit defective. For a while, this was the faith of the great cathedral when it was overthrown completely and became the temple of reason, became a secular temple devoted to reason without faith and an explosion of that age falsely called the Enlightenment, which was actually a darkening. It was actually of drawing the blinds on celestial light so that only the interior light of our tiny rationality went on. It proved to be a disaster, didn't it? So Notre Dame is recovered. But the grace-filled beauty that passing through the lens of humanity created the pattern of Notre Dame, created the design, created the great beauty. The pattern that is Notre Dame du Paris has been realized over and over again through these centuries, reforming itself through these centuries, at once drawn towards God's streams of beauty, magnetized them, drawn toward it, emerging through our souls and through our hands. Notre Dame du Paris is really not going to disappear. We could think that that pattern, like the pattern that is us, maybe, perhaps, is really not going to disappear. Maybe the patterns of the art that flows from God through us, through our hands, and is fashioned, can be fashioned again and again, improvised upon, improved. 
perhaps in that future world which we call heaven. Perhaps it's not going to be just the rather still place we think about, singing hymns. Perhaps it's going to be creating beauty to thrill God and to thrill all of us, as God is thrilled when we live a humble, charitable, and loving life. Even if there's no forever universe, or perhaps another one, a perfected one, perhaps in that one, Notre Dame, as an inspiration from God, a God dream, God's pattern emerging again through us, flowing like a wave like us, flowing through some new or old material or some glorified material, a medium to which our pattern that is us, that is our identity, emergence, images of God. For this Easter of 2019, these are my reflections and I offer them humbly with all their defects and perhaps, perhaps wrong-headedness. But to add to this another humble soul, let's reflect upon them a little more with my son. Dawson St. Ritz Coughlin, 14 years old. Dawson, thank you for joining us. Yes. Dawson has looked into the background, the relevant contemporary ideas in astrophysics which seem to parallel these passages from the Bible about the dissolution of the elements as a feature of the Bible, mentioned in the Bible. And um, it says the elements will be dissolved, uh, but this is in the second letter of Peter. And the word is used in the Bible of dissolve. But to preview what Dawson's going to say is that the Big Bang meant the universe had a beginning, but it is not infinite in both directions of time, actually neither one direction. The universe may have an end as well as a beginning also. And it will expand and the atoms will come apart and he will amplify that further. Well, there's a very simple scientific basis to that. In that. And of course, this is a long way away. But basically, the Earth revolves around the sun, which is a yellow dwarf type star. And that sun uses hydrogen and helium and various elements which are burned in nuclear fusion to create energy, because otherwise such a large mass would collapse under its own weight. So the fusion created by that energy prevents this. However, there is only so much mass to a star, and it's very hard to to increase that mass. So eventually our sun will go into what's called a red giant phase in which it begins to run out of elements to burn and sort of makes a last desperate push in that the implosion that is beginning it resists it by just burning through all of its fuel very quickly and expanding may i ask a question when you said fusion prevents the sun from collapsing in on itself yes why would fusion do that fusion sounds like pulling things together Well, fusion does pull atoms together, but then when they both merge, it creates an explosion, an immense amount of energy. That energy provides a counterforce to the force of gravity pushing inward on the star's core, whereas the basically constant explosion, that's what the star is. It's a continuous plasmatic explosion, and 
in that explosion and such and so forth, it prevents itself from collapsing. But, as I said in that last desperate push, the sun turns red and begins to expand to quite a degree, to the point where the Earth will actually become engulfed within the sun's corona and will very literally be completely burned up. So if someone was to see us from a great distance, would we be inside the the halo of light around the sun or within the sun's uh, appearance itself? At first, within the halo of light, then the sun itself. Okay. Eventually, Earth enters the sun and is very literally dissolved into its Do you like to sit down or you want to talk standing up? Uh, I'll talk standing up. Okay. So, at that point, it's not only the Earth's works of man on Earth are burned up in fire, but the Earth itself. Yes, the Earth itself. So all of the elements, atoms, compounds that make up of everything about the world we know, what would happen to them inside the sun? The lighter elements which the sun is capable of burning would be used in the last desperate attempt to stop the, st- the star from collapsing. The rest of it would, of course, no longer be in the form of the Earth. It would be melted, dissolved into the sun. Eventually, when the sun goes supernova... It will leave a nebula, and some trace elements from the Earth may exist in that nebula. So uh, the word that Peter chose uh, 2,000 years ago for the Earth will dissolve, that word dissolve, you've just used it again. That is exactly what would be happening. Pretty much. Well, how did you know that? Hmm? Of course, I don't expect you to answer a theological question. Dawson, you're the astrophysicist guy, you're... I didn't expect you to answer that question. I also have no idea how Peter knew to use that word. Well? Well, the first thing Peter wrote was about the elements, the elements dissolving. The elements will dissolve. In his time, I thought there were four elements. You know what they are? Earth, fire, water, and air. Yeah, earth, fire, water, and air. And, of course, air is the atmosphere. That would be destroyed. Earth itself, obviously, would be burned up. Fire would be what destroyed the rest of them, because but it's not even fire, it's more plasma. But, but we can apply that fire. sentence equally yes. to the periodic tables and, uh, of elements. Yes, and obviously yeah. water would dissipate as well. Elements way at the end of the periodic table, the very heavy elements would also dissolve. Yes, they'd be okay. put into the star. Now, there may be a few residual pieces of those heavy elements within the nebula. But that's where we go on to the final dissolution of the entire universe. And that is that we've discovered, scientists have discovered something which they've coined dark energy as a counterpoint to dark matter in that it is what's fueling and accelerating the expansion of the universe and with that, it seems to be stretching on the very fabric of space-time. And in that way, as it pushes everything farther and farther apart, larger and larger superstructures begin to fall apart. And when you think about it, the entire universe is a superstructure which smaller superstructures are a part of. You, yourself, listening to this, are a superstructure. The human body is 
superstructure, of course, from a very small point of view, but still millions of cells working in tandem to create what you view as yourself. Now, I'm sure listeners are probably aware of dark matter and dark energy, but just the event they aren't. How much uh, of the universe is dark matter? We have estimated over 90%. So it's everywhere in the universe? Oh, it's all, it's pretty much everywhere. Okay, address dark energy. Dark energy, that 90% part of it is dark matter and dark energy. So the majority of stuff in the universe is one of these two. Well, how do you distinguish between uh, dark matter and dark energy? Um, dark matter is easy enough to see because of its effect. It pulls things together, kind of like a very weak black hole. So there's areas in which numerous stars have been pulled together rather mysteriously. There are people who have looked up in the sky with telescopes and noticed that light has been bent, and this can be by heavy concentrations of dark matter or a black hole. But the only thing we know about dark energy is that it pushes things apart, and it's still somewhat theoretical. So this is a dissolving of the entire universe by being put, the particles of it being pushed apart one from another is done by the expansive force known as dark energy. Is that right? Yes, because Mm. as larger and larger superstructures begin to fall apart, as I said, right now we're in the earlier stages of this in that superclusters of galaxies are beginning to fall apart and the galaxies are going faster and faster away from each other. Um, my personal theory being that the galaxy itself is simply a pocket of dark matter within a sea of dark energy. But in any case, eventually, as it's expanding the very fabric of space-time and accelerating this expansion, eventually the galaxies will begin to fall apart. There will be a point, once it reaches the point where dark energy pushes things galaxies farther away from each other than the speed of light, then we'll never see another galaxy, except perhaps Andromeda, which will collide with the Milky Way in, well, a few million years, but, well, billion, actually. In any case, eventually these galaxies themselves fall apart into separate star clusters. At this point, new stars are going to stop being formed because gravity can't get them close enough together to begin a fusion reaction. And eventually, the star systems begin to fall apart. And then the planets begin to fall apart. And eventually, you get down to the literal dissolving of any elements. And of course, at that point, there will be no stars or any sort of matter in the universe other than stray particles and perhaps a few planetoids or asteroids. And black holes. Well, but at that point, you mean there might be a few stray asteroids, super superstructures that have survived that. Well, they won't survive the atoms falling apart for sure. No, okay. And, and atoms falling apart. Let's take start with hydrogen uh, with its one electron. That electron is going to be disassociated from that nucleus. Yes. And that electron may not even be a particle, right? We don't really know, and. But it's certainly going to be uh, lose its bond. Oh yes, it loses that, its bond. What we're talking about here is the severing of bonds, right? And you, if, what's good, I say that the severing yes, of bonds. Eventually, right? the nucleus 
and the entire atom falls apart into what are called quarks, which are basically small pieces of an atom. Um, and eventually quarks sort of dissipate, and at that point, it's... And eventually, from quarks, you go to something else, and then further and further down. Eventually, it's anyone's guess if there will even be anything left, and most likely there will not be. The only thing will be the very, very basic subatomic particles, and that is when the elements, even considered with a periodic table as big as it ever may get, however far humanity goes, and however far... However many elements we discover, any periodic table that we may ever make, all the elements on it will eventually, technically, and literally be dissolved. So, um, you know, preceding your discussion at this point in this podcast, I've covered the idea that uh, there will be a new heaven and earth after the resurrection of the body, because the resident body is uh, composed actually, of the elements, the periodic elements and compounds. It's not just a spirit body, as many people have said. When Thomas encounters Jesus after his resurrection, Jesus himself says, touch me, put your finger in my wound you can see, and he says, I am flesh and bone. But we know, and I'm going to repeat this, that apparently what we are is not a certain group of atoms and compounds, but a pattern through which atoms and compounds flow. And at my advanced stage, over 80, we've, I've replaced a lot of the atoms in my body more than once, but yet the pattern is there. Like a wave yes. moves through the water. It's, it is not the water. It is a pattern in the medium. Therefore, and now what I'm leading up to is this that even though the universe, let's say, is very thin, gaseous, of partial vacuum at an advanced stage, we could still be a pattern in that, if our heaven is part of this universe, of course. A lot of suppositions here. But uh, at the point, everything is completely severed, all bonds. We, we would either be immense, or there'd be a whole new kind of uh, medium through which we could exist as our image, as our pattern image of God's pattern. On this one end of it, we've seen the Big Bang in the Bible and the physics today confirms it as highly, highly probable that there's a beginning of the universe. So time and space began there. Exactly. And as it looks like, if things were to continue indefinitely, time and space would still exist, but... The space would spaces would be immense. Yes, what you—that's one idea. What you end up with is basically an eternal void. There is absolutely nothing to speak of. There is existence it, itself in that the universe, in a way, is there, but there's no way to know that because there's nothing to mark it by. The only real thing that could still be there, and this system may even break apart itself are quantum particles, which appear instantaneously and annihilate each other. But at that point, they never really existed in the first place. But as as Catholics, both of us, we realize that there's a truth and accuracy to the statement that as Christ's body was resurrected and, and the Blessed Mother's, and exists somewhere in a place in space. Hmm. 
even if it's a pattern of, of particles. Now, so what we don't know is about this other end. If maybe the universe had a beginning and an end, and therefore it's a finite universe. Well, that would be contrary to our suppositions, but those are only our guesses. Yeah. Well, but pers- maybe, maybe it doesn't have an end. Well, I'd say... I'd say that I don't see any reason why there should be a beginning or an end to heaven because God, as we've seen, is... People have noticed this, that the universe is... The very laws of it are being tweaked constantly. Maybe not in major ways, but Ah. he can change the universe however he wants. He made it and he can do whatever he wants with it. So there's no reason he can't create an area of some sort that's immune to this expansion in which matter and energy can exist freely as they do now. Now, I'm, I'm glad you touched on this because what could happen is is astrophysicists have recognized lately that the universe apparently had a very intelligent design when it was kicked off, but after that, there was intervention in fine-tuning it, not just at the beginning, these universal constants, but they continue to keep tuned. Therefore, uh, as one physicist described it, there's the deistic approach, the deistic theory that God just began the universe with a big man and went away, doesn't care what happens. But the other theory is, and it's a, a theological one, is that he is caring for the universe and altering it. And now astrophysicists have come to see and consider themselves not deists but theists without saying it's Christ or the Trinity. Staying with the boundaries of the scientific method, they can't make that jump. But within the realm of rationality, it has become highly, 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 highly probable that not only is there a deist start to the universe, but a maintainer, a theistic maintainer, repairman, nurturer. Not only an intelligent designer, but a fine-tuner who is still operating. And that's sort of what I'm following on what you just said. Well, imagine you're making a clay model. You don't just grab the glob of clay, throw it down on the table and say that I'm done. No, you tweak it. You continually, you eventually mold the face. You get the nose, the eyes, the ears, everything. Um, And eventually you may not like how the face looks, or you maybe think the eyebrow is too big, or that the lips need to be toned down. You take your little scalpel, or your brush, or whatever... Take your brush and you fine-tune it. You tweak it to the way you want it. Maybe there's a structural problem and it's going to collapse if you don't do something. So you add or remove. So you put some clay on, you add some clay so that it doesn't fall apart. That's exactly what God does. I like your example very much. And let me fine-tune your model, uh, the theoretical model, and say, let's say the clay statue is standing in a very sunny window. And the entropy of heat causes it to sag and partially melt. You could continually fine-tune it back the way you wanted it. Exactly. You as the small g-god of the bottle. And and you could throw water on it to prevent it from drying. Well, this is long enough for a podcast. 
given our human frailty, to project upon the small miniature screens of our minds these vast, vast visions of God's dreams of beauty, of men, of women, and of Notre Dame de Paris. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Lovely to think on this. So lovely that we're going to do a part two on this. And we'll hear more from Dawson. So, until next week, celebrating the glorious beauty of our Catholic Church and of our universe and of our men and women God's images, all of us containing other images, which are God dreams of glorious, glorious transcendental beauty expressed with great simplicity and humility in the overwhelming grandeur of Notre Dame du Paris, the loss of which makes us so unbearably sad. Perhaps we'll be allowed to take it with us. Let's think about that a little more next time. God bless all. This is Chuck Coughlin on BirdBoxMedia.com. BirdBox Media programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com. CMF Curo is the country's first Catholic health care ministry to provide an affordable health sharing solution rooted in Catholic teaching and community. Learn more at mycatholichealthcare.com slash podcast. That's mycatholichealthcare.com slash podcast.